Welcome to the Monster and Treasure Podcast, where we talk way too long about a subject and just give you the best parts. I'm Daniel Norton, here as always with uh, K.R. King. Just waiting to start a one-shot. As always. (laughs) You know, Daniel, I've been going to conventions again, especially post-COVID, and playing in games there. And one of the things I've noticed is there are some game systems, whether it's role-playing games or board games, that I think are more suited for a convention experience. And I wonder if you've uh, noticed that as well. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that that um, part of it comes down to a player knowledge, right? So if you're getting into a game and for the first time at a convention and it's like a complex game versus an easy game, right? A simple game. And even if you are have played a little bit before, if you're playing it to learn the game, which so many of us do, you might kind of slow down a game if it's a more complex one. So I think that for me anyways, if you're going to have a just an open table type game, I prefer a simpler game. I think that other games might be better for one shots or conve- or as we talked about before, campaigns, like more complex games. Yeah. And, you know, when I played, I really enjoyed like Dungeon Crawl Classics. I've done the funnel a couple of mm-hmm. times, although having done that, I'm sort of like, OK, now I would be ready for a little more advanced. Right. But you can right. play the funnel with literally, you know, like 90 percent of the rules I think you've said are not even in play. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hyperborea, I was able to play without any instruction because I played those systems years. I can see instantly, oh, it's it's kind of AD and D remodified. I played in some Pathfinders, and they weren't as good because Pathfinder is a complex system. I was not the weakest player at the table, but also the GM. It makes a big difference. The GM has to, you know, if you're going to have that game and you're going to say some experience, well, what does that mean? And then if you simplify it, do the players notice that right? Because everybody has come to that convention for different reasons, but they're They've traveled a distance, they're staying at a hotel, they've only got four hours to play that game, and they want to have a good experience, and and this is the thing about not knowing the game, it makes you nervous, because if I'm the guy dragging things down, that's a bummer for everybody else. Right, I agree, and, and if you are if you are a GM and you're running the games, and you do simplify them, right, like we said, all, all of a sudden, like, what if you are more experienced? So I come, I love Pathfinder, I play it all the time at home, I'm usually a GM, maybe. I'm a full-time GM, right? And then I want to play once. So I get into a Pathfinder game that says some experience, and the either the person running it doesn't know the rules, or they really strip them down to make it simpler for new players. And now I'm sitting there going, well, I want to use these, like, double feet special move options, and you're not using them because you don't want to confuse new players. How are we really playing Pathfinder here at the convention? To, to, to uh, paraphrase... Uh, Gygax from the DMG. Are you really playing the game if you change all the rules? (laughs) One of the things I really enjoy about uh, these conventions, too, is you see these big miniatures, these elaborate miniature Mm -hmm. things where people come, Napoleonic and whatnot. Many, many years ago, I belonged to a wargaming thing in Pontiac, Michigan, where these guys had this, they rented out a space and had these tables set up, right? How often do you get to do that? Well, you can at a convention because people will come and you'll see these miniatures. And I encourage anyone to just check them out. But... You, it's intimidating, right? Because you don't want to be the guy that keeps going, what do I do now? Fire? Fire rage? What's that? I mean, that's just a killer, right? Because everybody, first of all, someone set this all up. But everybody's there. They probably know what they're doing. So I would encourage you, if you're interested in that, maybe just go over and watch for a while. Watch how it's played. Or or if you see that these rules are out there, see what, what the system is and get a copy of them and just read them as best you can. Because I'm not saying these people are going to be like yelling at you or anything. But if you've gone, if you've made it, it's clear that you've tried to figure this thing out before you went, they're going to be very much more sympathetic for you. Yeah, I think so. And you, well, you'll see at conventions sometimes, I've noticed more and more, uh, I noticed it mostly at Gen Con last year, and I joined a few, where these learn to play games, 
So I think if you are somebody that wants to run a game, you have a cool game that you like. Like I picked up this year at Gary Khan, Buck Rogers, Defense of the 25th Century or something like that, a TSR board game from the 80s. I want to run it next year. And I'm not just going to put it up there. I'll put learn to play because I'm I'm hoping that people will want to learn to play the game and that I'm thinking that most people don't remember how to play a game from 1985 that had a tiny production run, <laughs> you know. So like I'll literally list it as that. So people can show up knowing I don't know this game. I don't. And if I can find a PDF of the rules, I mean, it's long out of print, uh, I'll probably make a link to it, you know, and say, hey, if you want to read, read through the rules, here they are. But I'm not going to require that for a game like that. But I do think if you're going to do something like, uh, let's say, a DCC Funnel, right? So you say, all right, well, I'm going to do DCC Funnel. That's great for uh, uh, somebody who just wants to dip their toes in DCC and play one of those really cool, weird modules. But is that going to be great for, uh, you know, a campaign to always run a funnel, right? <laughs> like it wouldn't be, right? Like I, I think that like if a game is too simple, uh, long term, it's going to be more difficult to have something interesting, at least for those who enjoy interesting mechanics. I mean, I know some people, maybe a story game wouldn't have that, but me, I like mechanics. Uh. And in terms of board games, too, there are board games. I know like the Twilight Imperium game or something like that that are very complex and people oh, yeah. want to compete with other people playing that game. And they don't necessarily want someone who just comes in and says, hey, I have no idea what this is about, but you can show me, right? Because it's like that's going to screw right. up the game. That's not going to be, you know, I, I could take a simple game. You're playing risk and you're not attacking. You're just sitting there because you don't know what to do every turn. Mm -hmm. The other players are like, you know, you're supposed to expand and you're supposed to attack. And you got, you know, and that distorts the game because it, right. you'll be, probably be wiped out. But and we're all there at this one moment. Let's you, you should know the game. On the other hand, you did a game, the Walking Dead game, where you could literally walk in. You could explain the rules in five minutes. We all knew we had very simple objectives and it was a perfect uh, convention game wasn't going to be necessarily a campaign. Maybe there is one. I don't know. But for us, it was just fun. We had an objective, the zombies, you know, you got to do this here are the characters. And that's what you look for. Just something enjoyable, something like, oh, I might just get that and and play that. Whether I would play that with my friends over and over and over, I don't know. But it is a perfect convention game. Yeah, I think so. And that's one reason when I first played it, I thought it would be really great for a convention. I had never run anything like that. I had always just run RPGs. And, uh, there is actually like convention scenario, uh, not convention, uh, campaign scenarios where you can keep building up your factions, but uh, you can also play it as a one-off. Like when you pick the box game up, it's like literally just what I did there, like objectives. I made my own, but, and I thought, well, this is great because I showed you every rule for the most part in the game during the, well, call to learn to play, even though I didn't list it like that, because there weren't a lot of rules. Like if you do the campaign game, there's like a few extra like uh, tags for some of the weapons and stuff, but it's, it's pretty minor. And, uh, you know, so that's, again, a game that's simple enough to teach people that people got right away. So I, I like that one as a good choice for that. I think that if you have a real complex game, you need to say that <laughs> this is a complex game. Either people are going to have to know how to play it if you want to run it that way, or this is a learn to play. So if you are an expert in this game, you're probably not going to have a good time. Like, you just want to put that out there. And my final comment would be to encourage people to go to conventions and try new games, set time aside, because, yes, like something like Gen Con, you can literally shop in the area. Although there they have learned to play. They have tables set up mm -hmm. and just to sit down because they want to sell you the game, right? Yep. But to sign up for some stuff because and kind of try to get outside the box, you know, try to think about things maybe you wouldn't play. But you want to make sure, as you're saying, that it isn't like if it's as experience necessary and you have no experience, don't do that because it's not fair to the other people. But 
And if it is learn to play, you just recognize that it's going to be that kind of game. But you may discover something uh, that you never thought of that you could introduce to your home group. You know, take a break from playing the role-playing game. Let's play another game. Let's just play something, you know, a beer and pretzels game, as we used to call them. It's just a fun thing to talk and whatever. And a lot of those convention-style games that you're talking about are exactly that. Yeah, I agree. It's something that took me a little while to learn. I went to a bunch of conventions. I played... At first, I played OSR stuff because I wasn't playing any OSR. But then once I was playing it, I continued to do that because I like, this is the stuff I like. But then I realized, oh, I'm at a convention just playing what I play at home. Like, why not try something new? And that's what I've been doing the last couple of years. And I really haven't been enjoying it since uh, since things started to open back up after COVID. So just briefly, I guess we'll jump into, I think there is a difference between a one shot and a convention game. And I think I'll just lay this out this you can tell me. Generally, with a one shot, you're probably playing with at least some people you know. Whereas a convention game is probably complete strangers, right? A one-shot, while you do block out a certain amount of time, and I don't like people that at the end go, we're going to have to play another session, so don't do that if you can avoid it. A convention, you really don't have that choice, you know? And I've actually, I know people who have played games at conventions where the person was like, oh, this is going to run way over. Do you you guys want to keep playing longer? And that's kind of a bummer for them, because it's like if they have something else scheduled, they got to leave. So you don't want to do that at a convention game. You need to be super tight. But a one-shot... With your friends, you can sometimes bleed over if you need to. Also, because you're playing with your friends, you they're gonna you're gonna have a, probably a better idea of what you can cut and what you can't cut, right? Like if as far as rules go, like we talked about before, because we we already know your group. So I think that's kind of the difference there. So I think similar, like you could if you were never, if you had never played DCC before, full DCC, I think you could sit down and play a one shot with somebody in, in your group if you knew where they were. Uh, you know, they had played 5e for a while. Like, they'd have no problem picking that up. And because you're a group of friends, you'd kind of get a feel for who could do what. I think you'd be all right there. Yeah, and it's interesting when you talk about one-shots with your friends because I did have a group that, that we used to get together and play. And I think like a convention, if they weren't at the end of something, I might just chop out something, you know, yeah. to get kind of to the end because I knew we are not going to get together now for two years or something, right? They, right? So let's just get to the end. And and I might even say, ah, there's a couple of things. That maybe I would try to make it seamless, but, you know, we're all just there to have fun, I would just say. Right. So uh, and because you got three hours, we're not going to play again. We're not going to do a series, you know. So, right. and at a convention too, I think if you come to the end, and I played Hyperborea, and the guy literally did say, okay, you're supposed to go get this and this, but we're running out of time. So let's, and we always went, okay, we didn't go, well, that, that, this is ridiculous. You know, we just, because right. we took time, we were scared, you know, Hyperborea, it makes you nervous that you're going to die at any second. <laughs> I don't know if that's really the way it is, but we were all very nervous. So we took our time and you had your setup with your constant, is that what you're going to do? Is that what you're going to do? <laughs> so of course it makes people nervous. So yep. you go slowly and then suddenly you realize, oh crap, we're out of time, right? Mm-hmm. So you do have to adjust, I think, both certainly convention, but even if for one shots with your friends. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that, that uh, again, the one shot you might have a chance coming back to, but you don't want to be that guy that's constantly saying one shots and then it's five sessions. Uh, but now going into conve- campaign games, I think that's a little bit different. I think that for me, you want, and it's funny because I run OD&D, which is like one of the simplest games ever, but you, you often want a game that has some meat. We talked about this before with progression, although Jason did mention, uh, point out that things like games like Traveler don't have level progression, but they have progression in a different way. When you're playing Traveler, you're building up your fleet or whatever you're doing Traveler, your, your space business. And so there is something going on there. I think when we were, we were talking level progression, we thought that was uh, characters getting better. 
but in Traveler, I guess you're getting special armors and stuff like that. So I know I've played Cyberpunk a little bit. Like in that, you get like, you know, extra like hair color or whatever you add to your body, the eyeballs and stuff. So you're, you can you can make a character better one way or the other. Um, even if it, And also Traveler, I think, is a skill-based system where your skills get better. So I don't think it's 100% true that you don't get better in Traveler. So let me know, Jason, if that's true. But I'm pretty sure I have not actually played Traveler. I played it many years ago, and it we got not bored with it, but the part of it was the level right. progression. Part of it was, and I don't know if they've changed this or just the way it is, but you just got hit by a blaster. You were dead. Right. There was no healing of points. There was no, you know, now maybe there are cyber arms and stuff. And that to us just, we just kept, and like you said, building up a business empire was okay or building up your skills, but we sort of wanted to be powerful figures in the world right. in and of ourselves. And it might have just been we didn't know how to run it, you know, because mm-hmm. we, but we, I have the box set. I mean, I, we, I played it and I like the idea of it, yeah, but I do like that progression. And as I, you're exactly right. When you, if you're going to run a campaign game, you want to have a little either meat on the bones in the book itself or the rules themselves, or have enough knowledge as a GM to create those systems if the rules are. Are too simple, but do, do I want to go and reconfigure Hateful Place? I don't know, but that's what I see. That game, I liked. I liked the idea of it. I just realized this, this is a one-shot sort of game for me, unless yeah. I want to get in there and create rules for it. And you know, I'd have to be pretty motivated to do that. Yeah, I agree. I think that a game like that is is a great one-shot game, or a game where you can just carry characters over, but it's not necessarily one-shot. So, like what they often call a drop-in, drop-out, but like an ongoing campaign i think it would be trickier and getting to the idea of finishing things and cutting things i think that's also different in a campaign we've talked about this before i think and we agree on it but we'll see in a second what i say it's like if you're in a campaign and there's like three more things for them to do and the session's going to end then you just end it you pick up and you do those three things you don't go i'll cut that out so we can finish this generally in a campaign that's the the beauty of a campaign is that you could have an entire session where the characters go somewhere completely off course and that's fine because next time you just pick it back up and you keep going and eventually they get back to where they were going. And that's the beauty of being able to play over and over again and why the campaign format, I think, is the ultimate way to play like a D&D type game. And for me, what I love about a campaign is all my NPCs are doing things, too. Mm-hmm. So when the players are out there, if it's a one shot system or whatever, the NPCs just react to the players. But when right. you have a campaign and they say, well, we're going to ignore that and go over here. Is anyone paying attention to that? Is there anything happening? And I get to run the NPCs again. I'm not charting 500 NPCs. I'm charting the ones that they've bumped right. into. But I also keep track of I just think about what's going on down in the city where they did something or what's happening mm-hmm. here. And then when the players realize that's happening, it's like, yeah, that's a campaign setting. That's where the world is just moving. And yep. you're going to have to react to it. And you guys are the agent of that change, which is what's fun. 100%. And I think uh, I was just playing last night and, and as they were leaving the the game, um, one of my players said, you know, I feel like we keep, because they're escaping this island, they're like, we keep going places and half finishing things. And the other player was like, you can never truly finish something in a campaign, which I think is kind of <laughs> cool. Like, I, I like that idea of that the sandbox and nothing is ever really finished, right? Because once you set something in motion, you you knock out this uh, tyrant leader, somebody else is coming, you know, and that just keeps going. It doesn't just end like you walk away and it's over. The world keeps going. If you dip your toe in the pond, those ripples, they go somewhere. Exactly. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear your voice on the show, give us a call. There's a link in the show notes. You can find us both on YouTube. Uh, Daniel is at Bandit's Keep, and I'm on D&D Homebrew, also linked in the show notes. 
If you'd like to support the show, please give us a rating and review on your favorite podcatcher, and we'll see you next week.